Hello, America. Welcome to the Sarah Carter Show. It's so great to be with you again today. I am uh, excited to be talking today to Gordon Chang, who is the foremost expert on China and uh, our relations with China and specifically the Far East. I traveled with Gordon both to Japan this year as well as to South Korea. And I can tell you that he is one of the most incredible, most patriotic Americans out there. He has a message and it's a strong one and it's about China and their ever encompassing push to spread uh, their communist doctrine around the world, uh, their economic war against us as well, and what that means and what is happening in Hong Kong. I am going to describe to you a moment that I feel was so moving, something that as Americans, we should take pause and listen and actually view it online, please. It was in Hong Kong during the Hong Kong protests, and these young protesters walked out into the middle of the street, standing up to communist China. They want autonomy, freedom, liberty from the Chinese government in Hong Kong. They are literally fighting for their right to exist in liberty. And many of them have been threatened. Many of them have been jailed. Uh, Their lives are on the line here. But I want you to listen to how they stood in the streets with American flags waving, American flags waving, gas masks on their face, standing up to China and to pro-Chinese elements in Hong Kong. Let's play that, David. Christ us through the perilous fight, all the ramparts we watch were so gallantly streaming, and the rock Wow. While we're here in the United States eating each other alive, watching our politicians tear each other apart on Capitol Hill and our Constitution, which is the one doctrine anywhere on planet Earth right now that truly respects the lives and the rights of individuals is right now so fragile because we know And we see what's happened in our country, the spread of socialism, the spread of communism. You know what that reminded me of? That reminded me of Tiananmen Square, 1989. I remember watching as the protesters in China stood up inside China against the communist government. They didn't care at that point. They were like, this is our lives we're talking about. You have to respect us. 
The rest of the world did not do what it should have done then. And those Chinese students walked out in the streets and one in particular, standing there with a bag in his hand, stood in front of those Chinese tanks and said, no more. I'm not going to do this anymore. We forget that nothing is free, not even freedom, that there is a fight to take away freedom from you and me and everyone else. And it's disguised, guys, it's disguised as this equal opportunity. Everybody should be treated the same. We shouldn't have competition. We should let our government do everything for us. Look, you don't need to pay for school. Let the government pay for it. Nothing in life is free. Nothing. And when you let the government or anyone else do everything for you and take over your life, guess what? They own you. The Chinese government feels that they own their own people. That's why they're in camps, internment camps. That's why they control the internet. That's why they control everything, everything that the Chinese people do. That's why they have these new morality guidelines to monitor their citizens, to ensure that they are operating exactly as the Chinese government wants them to operate. This is also the same thing that we're seeing in other countries, in other parts of the world. And guess what, people? We're seeing the rise of that in the United States. I mean, I think I was stunned. Jenny Terr, she uh, she wrote a story. You know, she works with me, and she published a story on SarahACarter.com talking about millennials and how millennials are r- moving towards socialism. What was that, Jenny? How many millennials, uh, 7 out of 10? Yep, 7 out of 10. Pretty shocking. It, I mean, as a millennial, how do you feel about this? Because, I mean, I personally, I... I I don't think I was so stunned because I understand that the education system has literally been hijacked, hijacked by leftist socialists. So when I saw your story, I got to tell you, I I think what surprised me was the number seven out of 10. Is that what you're seeing and experiencing? I mean, when you're hanging out with your friends, I mean, are you hearing this kind of talk? Do they... Are they are they believers in socialism? What's going on here? Well, luckily, I have a lot of conservative friends in this city, which is very hard to find. But in college, it was very hard. And I think you're right. That's exactly what they're learning. So how do they know otherwise? I mean, I took a class on the history of world revolutions. And the first book they handed us was, you know, Karl Marx. It was the Communist Manifesto. It's, I mean, and it was treated like a model for how we should operate in this world so you went to school in texas arizona oh arizona okay thank god (laughs) yes but still though it was an offshoot of california basically that's right jenny is from texas though she is from the great state of texas and (laughs) i love texas boy do i love texas but i gotta tell you everybody's really happy with the nationals right now here in washington dc except jenny ouch Ouch. i felt that (laughs) but So they teach Karl Marx like it's, uh, you know, something to be revered, like there's some sort of magic mystery to this failed government system. It's never worked. It hasn't worked. What's worse 
It just takes away all your rights. Who wants to give that up? Why wouldn't you want that freedom? Why wouldn't you want the ability to make something out of your life, to do things for yourself, to be in control of your future and that of your children and that of your family and to feel proud? I mean, America is a young country. It's a young nation, but it is revered throughout the world. It's held in such high esteem everywhere I travel. And you know what we're hearing now? And I'm here. I heard it in Japan. I heard it in South Korea. I've heard it in Guatemala. I've heard it in all the places I've traveled over the last year. You know what they're saying? What's happening in America? What's going on? Is America fundamentally changing? Why do they want to remove the president? What's happening there? What's happening with American people that they're not proud in their nation anymore? That's what other people are seeing. And that's why I'm going to have Gordon Chang on with us today. And that's why his message, people, this isn't all about what's happening here. We have to listen to what is happening around the world. I saw the same tactics in Japan that are being utilized here against President Trump are being utilized in Japan by the left to squash any future any democracy. I saw the same issues in South Korea with President Moon. And what's happening there is frightening, frightening. Could South Korea shift, become part of a North Korea? I don't know. But I know that there are people there, leaders there that are concerned about that. In Japan, I interviewed Andy Chan. We are going to make that a special podcast. That is a special podcast. Andy Chan is one of the foremost protesters in Hong Kong. And he is a good friend of mine now. A good friend. And somebody that I will support and back all the way. They basically eliminated his party. The Hong Kong National Party. It's now banned. They imprisoned him. They won't let him speak and they are holding him now under house arrest. So that's going to be a very special podcast that we are going to post separately from this interview with Gordon Chang, just so you understand what is happening in other parts of the world and why we as Americans need to continue to fight for freedom, for liberty, independence and justice and stand up to those who cannot do it on their own. We have to stand up with them. We have to fight alongside them and we have to spread this message because we are the only nation that can actually do that. So I look forward to this interview with Gordon Chang. I look forward to you listening to it. And I, you know what? I want you to reach out to me at Sarah Carter DC on Twitter. Reach out. Let me know what you think. And please visit my website at sarahacarter.com. We will be posting throughout the day and throughout the week all the new and breaking stories. I'm traveling overseas again. I'll have a lot more work uh, to share with you from from those travels and adventures. Um, And I'm so looking forward to having Mr. Gordon Chang with me on this show. He is an expert in China. He is an expert in Hong Kong. He is an amazing human being. And I look forward to bringing you the latest here now. Uh, Gordon, are you there? I'm here. Oh, it's so great to have you on the show today, Gordon. I 
I want everyone who is listening to please follow Gordon Chang at on Twitter at Gordon G Chang at Gordon G Chang. You got to follow him. He is up to date on everything that is happening in China and Hong Kong, South Korea. I mean, it runs the gamut. You will not be missing out. You will be missing out if you don't follow him. That's what I can tell you. Uh, I had the great opportunity and the pleasure. I was telling our audience, uh, Gordon, of being able to travel with you to Japan as well as South Korea and hear you speak. Uh, I just want you to surmise for the listeners here the situation um, both in Japan and South Korea and Hong Kong and how delicate it is and the power of the Chinese government as well as the leftist uh, uh the leftist ideology that's spreading across the globe. Yeah, China is roiling its periphery. And we see this, of course, in Hong Kong. Um, there they're encroaching upon the promised autonomy. And that's why we have had now 21 weeks of straight disturbances. Um, these protests began in April, um, but they started up again in June. And they've lasted for so long, Sarah, because China has done things to fuel the opposition. So, for instance, um, it has disqualified Joshua Wong from running in district council elections, which has just enraged people. So every time it looks like the protests are going to die down a little bit, um, Beijing will do something. And that's why, um, for instance, on Halloween, um, there was tear gas um, throughout the territory, especially in Central, the Central Business District, also in Mong Kok, um, which is around a police station and a, a subway station that um, the protesters believe three uh, people were killed by the police. So this is just one area where China's having a problem. Of course, it's trying to dismember Japan, an island nation, an archipelago, and that, of course, has got the Japanese upset. And what it's doing with regard to North Korea, of course, uh, is causing problems. North Korea is launching missiles in violation of UN Security Council resolutions. We're trying to come to some accommodation, um, but uh, North Korea will not let this situation alone. So, Sarah, you're absolutely right. Beijing is taking the region from peace to something else. Well, and this is uh, this is something that I think is surprising to many uh, Americans who aren't really focused on what's happening outside of the United States, because the news here is so focused um, on the Democrats, the Republicans, uh, President Donald Trump's uh, these impeachment hearings against him. And there is actually a fear overseas. I spoke with Andy uh, Chan, I know that you are very close to Andy Chan, uh, just so our listeners understand again, Andy Chan is one of the top uh, protesters basically against China and Hong Kong. He was the former head of the Hong Kong National Party, which has been banned uh, basically in Hong Kong. He's been under arrest uh, mainly by those pro-Chinese supporters in Hong Kong, and now he's under house arrest. Uh, Andy has stood up. He's very young. He has stood up to the Chinese government. One of the uh, clips I played earlier, and I know you're very well familiar with, uh, Gordon, is the young protesters standing in the streets singing our national anthem, the American national anthem, in the middle of the streets holding American flags. But one of the things that Andy Chan spoke to me about was how fearful so many people are around the world about what's happening here in the United States and this fear that 
this communist ideology, this groupthink is spreading here. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that and China's influence here, specifically in the United States? Yeah, the rest of the world, and, and especially Asia, has looked to the United States to be um, the anchor, to be that which creates stability and spreads good values around the world. And, of course, people now are concerned because so many young Americans talk about being in favor of socialism. And you have, for instance, Bernie Sanders, who openly talks and advocates socialism. And among the candidates for the Democratic nomination for president, many of them have signed on to socialist policies. The other thing that's of real concern, Sarah, is that right now the United States is the only country that can stop a militant China. And right now we are embroiled in a domestic controversy. We are not thinking about our common enemy, which is Beijing. You know, Beijing has been attacking the United States for decades, but uh, we haven't noticed it. Um, but now it's becoming more and more evident. Um, but we Americans have, of course, focused in on, on the impeachment inquiry. And, and that's, that's unfortunate because we've got to remember that whether we're Republicans or Democrats, liberals or conservatives, we have an enemy that wants to destroy our nation. So that's job number one. Once we settle that, then we can talk about domestic things. So when you have a candidate for president who says China's not competition for us, that China's not a problem, that's a problem because that shows a lack of awareness of our of the precariousness of the situation that we now face. Well, it's very dangerous, uh, Gordon. I know you've spoken about this before, but the Confucius Institute in particular, the spreading of their groupthink ideology all across the globe and even here in the United States, in our universities, in our education centers. Can you talk a little bit about that and how dangerous this is? Yeah, the Confucius Institutes are supposed to be just teaching Chinese language. They are um, a creature of the Communist Party's United Front Work Department, um, which spreads communist ideology around the world. There used to be about 115 or so Confucius Institutes on American university campuses. Now there's about 100 because colleges and universities are starting to get rid of them. They're doing it on their own because they're worried about China's malign influence on campus. But they're also doing it because the U.S. government is now starting to restrict funding. Um, and the other thing, Sarah, is that there's these Confucius classrooms in our secondary schools. This is an attempt to win off the American elite to support China. And what we've seen on American campuses, um, the universities have been reluctant to sponsor events that are critical of China. Um, there was one, for instance, at the University of Rochester just on Saturday. Um, and there's been a lot of pressure on people who want to talk about China in realistic terms. That's because of Chinese money on our campuses. We've got to get that influence out of here because we've got to have an open marketplace of ideas in our country, of course. But we especially need it in our universities and our colleges and, of course, our secondary schools as well. Well, we're also seeing that throughout, right, with corporations as well as the NBA. I want to play a clip here of what just happened recently when a journalist wanted to question an NBA player about uh, statements made regarding China. 
Hi, Christina McFarlane, CNN. Um, the NBA has always been a league that prides itself on its player and its coaches being able to speak out openly about political and societal affairs. I just wonder, after the events of this week and the fallout we've seen, whether you would both feel differently about speaking out in that way in future. It's a legitimate question. This is an event that's happened this week during during the NBA. Uh, it, this particular question has not been answered. James. I mean, Gordon, this, this deals with the Houston Rockets. Uh, what's going on here? What do you think is China's influence here in the United States? Is it so powerful that even the NBA doesn't want to stand up to it? Well, that's absolutely correct. Uh, you know, when this uh, controversy first broke out in the beginning of October, um, there was the NBA, their stand, especially their statement in China, in Chinese, was craven. Um, you know, the NBA has been, you know, trying to uh, penetrate the Chinese market. Basketball is very popular in the country. Um, and, and I can understand what the NBA was trying to do. This is the important thing is that we sort of can't expect um, businesses to stand up to a militant communist state. Because what's happening right now is Xi Jinping, the Chinese ruler, is not only demanding obedience of foreign companies and organizations inside China, it's now trying to get them to implement Communist Party policies outside their country. And so, for instance, um, ESPN, a unit of Disney, um, told its staffers to cool it, to not talk about um, the NBA controversy. Fortunately, some of them still did, but this shows that we cannot take Chinese money and maintain a free marketplace of ideas in our country. We've got to have one or the other. And it's really unfortunate that we're going to have to get our companies and organizations out of China. But Sarah, we're not driving this. The Chinese are. They're forcing us to make decisions we don't want to make. They're very unfortunate decisions, but uh, at this time, when you have China trying to use our companies against us, they're weaponizing our companies, they're weaponizing the NBA, we have no choice if we want to maintain free institutions. So what happens now then? How can things shift? How does this situation shift? Because this is the problem, right? We have uh, this supposedly long-term trade deal on the table. What does the United States do to kind of regain that power back and these companies as well to regain their power against China when we see China's influence across the globe expanding, not retracting, but expanding? That's a great question. And what we have to do ultimately is to disengage from China, to get our companies out of China, to get China out of the United States. Um, because we cannot live with this militant communist superstate that takes the position that China is the world's only sovereign state, that we're subjects, and that we Americans must acknowledge Chinese sovereignty and obey them. Uh, that's where Xi Jinping is going. Um, so on the trade talks, I, I think we stop talking to the Chinese. Um, I think what we do is we just continue to impose high tariffs. Remember, these tariffs are imposed under the authority of Section 301 of the Trade Act of 1974 as a remedy for the theft of U.S. intellectual property. China has been stealing hundreds of billions of dollars of U.S. IP each year, um, and I don't think we're going to stop that with a phase one trade deal. So um, get our companies out of China. That will reduce their opportunity for stealing from us. Um, right now, you know, Sarah, 
Beijing is dropping hints that we have to accept um, the genocidal uh, campaign it's conducting inside its own borders if we want a trade deal. China's ambassador to the UN um, made that hint a few hours ago. This is absolutely unacceptable. What China is doing there is trying to eliminate uh, a racial and an ethnic group, a religious group. Um, we have no choice. This is Third Reich in the 21st century. So for any number of reasons, and we've heard Secretary of State Pompeo a few hours ago talk about what China is doing and its incompatibility with our system, we are unfortunately going to have to reverse course and disengage from China to protect ourselves, to reduce our vulnerability to an extremely dangerous actor. This is just, I mean, it's frightening. It's just frightening. I was talking to uh, Andy Chan about this while he made a short, quick trip visit uh, to South Korea where you were speaking. And I invited Andy to speak on stage. And afterwards, he and I uh, talked and he said the one thing that the United States could do, and he was vehement about this, is impose sanctions on Hong Kong to basically close the loophole, not allow China to divert everything through Hong Kong. Because he said what happens is, even if we have the sanctions on China, they just use Hong Kong as a thoroughfare for, for products. Is, what, do you, what do you think about that? Is that going too far? Is that uh, an idea that should be looked at? Well, it's an idea we should adopt, Sarah. What Andy is referring to um, is the Hong Kong um, Human Rights and Democracy Act of 2019. Um, it is going to go to the Senate and eventually to the president's desk. Um, this bill um, would require the Secretary of State to annually review the exemptions in U.S. law for Hong Kong. We have sanctions on China. Those sanctions don't apply to transactions with Hong Kong on the assumption that Hong Kong is uh, governed autonomously from Beijing. But as we have seen um, since June, um, maybe even since April, that uh, the, that factual assumption is no longer correct, that Hong Kong is under the direct control of Beijing, and so therefore we should not have these uh, exemptions. And Andy is absolutely right when he says that uh, Beijing is using this Hong Kong exemption um, to drive a big hole uh, through the sanctions on China. I so gotta, he's absolutely right. Yeah, I got to tell you, Gordon, he is he was really incredible. Uh, he is a true, true patriot for Hong Kong and uh, a believer in uh, what we stand for as a nation in independence, liberty and freedom. I want to play a clip right now. And this is a clip of President Donald Trump uh, that we have. And I want you to hear this and then I want you to respond to that. The world fully expects that the Chinese government will honor its binding treaty made with the British and registered with the United Nations in which China commits to protect Hong Kong's freedom, legal system, and democratic ways of life. How China chooses to handle the situation will say a great deal about its role in the world in the future. We are all counting on President Xi as a great leader. Do you think that's a warning to President Xi? That certainly is a warning um, to President Xi, uh, General Secretary Xi, uh, and the Communist Party. Uh, what President Trump was referring to was the Sino-British Joint Declaration of 1984, which 
paved the way for Hong Kong, uh, 50 years of autonomy there until 2047 under the one country, two systems formula. Um, Beijing has repudiated its obligations under the Sino-British Joint Declaration. And what we've seen um, this year is graphically um, that uh, it's encroaching on the autonomy and violating its obligations under that treaty. So Beijing has already made it clear how they stand on this, and it's now time for us to respond. I want you to describe, Gordon, for our listeners, what it's like for an everyday uh, Chinese citizen, uh, what society is like for them, how they operate in this truly closed off and communist nation? Yeah, it, it, China was certainly closed off and has been um, since the founding of the People's Republic in 1949, 70 years ago. But uh, uh, the first leader is totalitarian. Since that time, controls have been loosened and it, now people call it authoritarian. Should we cut that? Wait, Wait, Gordon, you know what? We lost you there for a second. I don't know what happened, but your voice went out. So I'm going to, we'll just go back to that. I got the okay. question in. You just start over again right yeah. now. Are you able to cut that, yeah. David? Okay, so just start from the top. Okay. Uh, China is going back to a totalitarian system under Xi Jinping. Um, yeah, once was totalitarian. Um, the successors of Mao Zedong, the founder of the People's Republic, he, the successors sort of loosened controls, but now we're going back to the Maoist system. Um, we see this, for instance, with China's ambitions to put a national uh, social credit system in place by next year. It may not be next year, but it's going to be pretty soon. And this would give every Chinese citizen a currently updated score based upon observable behaviors. So this is an attempt to, for instance, prevent people from buying bus tickets, plane tickets, sending their kids to school, um, getting mortgages if they've got low social credit scores. And we know that they're going to have, as they say, um, about 626 million surveillance cameras in place next year, um, which is an astounding number. So they're going back to a total um, surveillance society, total police state, and that is a real warning to us. That's that China is moving in all the wrong directions. It's not only um, with regard to us, you know, NBA and other things. It's also with regard to their own people. And this is regarding the morality guidelines, right? I mean, imagine this, people. Imagine living in a nation where the government is judging whether or not you are good enough to be able to attain privileges like shopping at this grocery store or flying to this country or being allowed to attend a certain school. That's what's so dangerous here. Can you imagine living your life like that? It's like an episode of Black Mirror, Gordon. It's like a, some kind of future sci-fi episode. And I don't think people realize that we're not out of the woods. I mean, we're seeing this type of uh, socialist, communist control structure uh, across the globe in, in various nations, and we're seeing this shift here in the United States. I mean, it's really quite frightening. Yeah, it's, it's really frightening. You know, Sarah, Chinese officials say, uh, and, and this is almost a direct quote, they say um, the unworthy, uh, because of the social credit system, they say that the unworthy will not be able to take one step from their homes. And that might be a little bit of an exaggeration, 
But as you point out, it's not going to be much of one because they are going to try to make sure that people with low social credit scores cannot uh, engage in, in just normal commerce, cannot send their kids to school and all the rest of it. So that's the nature of that system. That's the system that they want not only for China but for other countries as well. And kids in our country who say they love socialism, they've got to understand what the reality of it is. You know, they can look at Venezuela, they can look at Cuba, um, and they can certainly now look at what's happening in China. What are the consequences of socialism? Because when people say, oh, we want capitalism that works for everybody, well, that's China's system. That's the Venezuelan system. That's the Cuban system. Uh, you know, it sounds great, but it does not work. It leads to repression. It leads to killing. It leads to the worst aspects of human behavior, because that's what we've seen in China. If you had one message before I wrap this up, Gordon, and I thank you so much for your time. But if you were able to sit in the Oval Office and speak to President Trump one on one, what would you tell him? The most important thing is that the United States, um, while it would like to engage China, cannot. The People's Republic of China and the United States of America cannot coexist. It's not because of us. It's because of the way China is moving. And we've got to defend our society across the board, not just trade. It's not just national defense. It's not just culture. It's across the board. China has been attacking our society. We've got to defend ourselves. Wow, Gordon, thank you so much. It was such a pleasure to have you on the show. I I can't uh, thank you enough, and I hope you come back and join us soon. I, I really look forward to having you back on, and I will be broadcasting uh, as well uh, my interview with Andy uh, Chan from Hong Kong. That will be a separate special broadcast uh, so people can hear him speak alongside you. Thank you so much for being such a fighter for freedom, Gordon, and for independence and liberty. And I really appreciate having you on today. Oh, well, thank you so much, Sarah. I I really appreciate this opportunity. So thank you. Oh, no worries. And remember, folks, you need to follow Gordon Chang on Twitter at Gordon G. Chang. That's at Gordon G. Chang. Follow him, get educated, learn what's happening in other parts of the world, because believe me, It's a global world, no matter what you think. I can't even imagine what it must be like to know that your government is now your morality police. That's what the Chinese people are living with, folks. That's what communism and socialism does. It's just that frightening. That's why Gordon Chang is such an important person to listen to. He's such an expert on this area of the world. And even though... You know, some of you say, well, there's just no way we can't break it off with China. How are we going to do that? Especially because the Chinese economy is so integral to the rest of the globe. Well, we have choices to make. We have choices to make. We stand on principle and we should stand by the protesters in Hong Kong. And I think Andy Chan and Gordon Chang and others uh, are right when they say, We need to sanction Hong Kong. We've got to sanction Hong Kong uh, in order to even effectively affect China, right? Right now, Hong Kong is plunged into a recession, and this is because of those protests. You know, right now, what we have as far as estimates is that its gross domestic product shrank by 3.2% in the third quarter because of these protests. So Hong Kong's already feeling it. China's already feeling it. We just need to take that step 
to support those people who are fighting for liberty and freedom and justice overseas. They really are our brother and sisters. They really are the people who we should be fighting for, right? Over there. And I'm talking about this is an economic fight. You know, this is an economic fight. China should not be doing what it is doing. This is also a fight for our children and for our future and for standing for something, standing for our principles, the principles that make this country so great. Speaking of our children, I have my beautiful daughter, Annalise, a.k.a. Wonder Woman, in studio with me today because she was feeling sick and she couldn't make it to school. Sometimes mommies have to do that. And I am a mommy first. Hi, Anna. Hi, mommy. I love you. Love you, too. Are you having fun at the studio? My voice sounds different. Oh, it does. Everybody's voice sounds different when they're on the radio or when you're talking in a podcast. Uh, I just, I love you. And she's, uh, what are you for Halloween? Wonder Woman. Wow. I didn't even know she had that in her. That's hilarious. (laughs) Okay. All right. I don't know what that was, but she's like a rock star too now. Okay, well, go sit down, kiddo. I will be right with you. I want to wrap this up because you are my listeners and I know you understand how important it is for us to continue to fight for this country, to fight for America, to fight for freedom and to fight for justice. This is the Sarah Carter Show. Please, please subscribe to us on your podcast app. Leave us a five star rating and review. And until next time, you can follow me on Twitter at Sarah Carter DC and read my stories at sarahacarter.com. We are taking back the story, folks. We are taking back the story and bringing it to you.